Welcome everybody. I'm delighted to uh, welcome you to Davos, uh, where I'm here at the World Economic Forum, uh, interviewing a series of amazing and remarkable women for my Marie Claire Start Somewhere podcast. And today I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Sarah Kate Ellis, who um, comes um, from an organization called GLAD, and she's going to tell us all about it. So um, welcome and thank you very much for doing this and you're very Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, yeah, GLAD is the leading LGBTQ advocacy organization. We're based in the United States, but we um, work globally. And so we're here at WEF because we want LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community and our issues more integrated into the WEF agenda. And so we're making great progress on that. I'm very excited to say. That's fantastic. And I'm so grateful to to catch you between all the various panels yeah, and things yeah. that you've been doing. So this is a brief interview because she's got to be elsewhere. And apologies for the background noise. We are in the female quotient lounge uh, looking at the mountains and, 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 you know, there are a lot of people around us, but, you know, in the nature of these interviews, it's like grab, interview and right. so bless yeah. you. It's like swimming, yeah. so flexible. So really, I, I'd love to know how you got started. Tell, tell us um, a, a little bit about, you know, where you grew up in the in, in, in the states and kind of how you know what right. you know what, what your starting life was and, 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 and whether things like activism causes came to you early on or whether they dawned on you a bit later. So I grew up um, actually in one of the boroughs of New York City called Staten Island. Um, the, the interesting thing about Staten Island is that it is um, it's it's connected to the city, um, but it's not. It, it was very much growing up in a very conservative environment. So I didn't realize I was gay until I was in college. Wow. And so um, I think activism didn't, you know, came to me when I realized really my identity and it was a matter of survival, right? Because back in those days, you know, that's 20 plus years ago, you had no rights. There was no visibility. Um, I remember growing up watching The Facts of Life, which was an American TV show about these girls that went away in high school to boarding school and I would like pretend that one of them was gay um, and so there was no roadmap for us um, when I graduated college I went into um, the magazine and publishing I love media and so I worked for Time Inc. and Condé Nast for nearly two decades and I oversaw the business side um, on magazines and, and helped and was a critical player in moving print to digital um, and when I, when I when I got done there I felt that I really wanted to find work that was deeply personal to me I was always a uh, weekend activist if you will um, and and I thought you know I, I had, my wife and I got married we had twins um, well we call them twins but they're not actually twins we both got pregnant on the exact same day no way so you both you both carried a baby yes at the same time and we gave birth. My wife gave birth early, so February 1st, and I gave birth, uh, birth late, February 24th. So we call them our February bookends. That's fabulous. So you, you held her hands and she held you. Yes. How amazing is Yeah, that? it was fabulous. It was amazing. Um, but when, when we created our family, I realized that I had a bigger role that I needed to play in the world. I needed to ensure and safeguard the world for them 
because we brought them into a gay household. And so, um, and that's when I, I realized that at GLAAD, because we use the media to accelerate acceptance for the LGBTQ community and, and, and in, in turn become real change agents, I knew that that was like the, the best intersection for me. It's like media, the love of my life, and the LGBTQ community. I got this. Um, but actually, what's really interesting um, is that it was a distressed property when I came to it. And I love building. I'm a builder. And I think that's really important for people to, to identify over time. It takes time to understand what you are. Some people get it early. I didn't. Um, but I realized I, I started my career at a, a relaunch of House and Garden magazine. And then I kept going. I realized I kept going to launches or relaunches of magazines because I liked building. And so when I went to GLAD, we were a little bit in financial distress. Um, and we were also, and because we had it, the, the, the organization hadn't evolved during the media change that was happening rapidly. And that was exciting to me. And creating the, the GLAD, the modern GLAD um, of the 21st century was the most exciting thing. And so I've been doing that now for six years. Incredible. And where, and where did you start? I, I started with the money. I mean, you have to start with the bottom line, right? And so I what I saw was that we have these two um, institutions called the Glad Media Awards, and we have them in New York and L.A., and we get the biggest stars. Last year we had Beyonce and Jay-Z. You know, we just get these. We have Madonna. Um, and we, but what we do that's most important, that that's to attract glamour and attention and, and reward people who are really supporting our, our community. But it's also what we do is we measure media for representation and then we reward uh, people who are doing it fairly and accurately. So um, I realized my lowest hanging fruit was corporate money, right? They're the biggest, the deepest pockets and I could move that faster than I could move personal donations. Um, and grants, grants have an 18 month lead time. So, and, and it was my background business. So I went and I built those out. I right-sized those properties. They're about $6 million properties for us now um, and and make up half of our budget. So it was, and then I diversified too. So so we're, we've been doing, you know, really, really well. That's the first thing I did because, you know, we, I started and I had a depletion model actually, which, which is a financial model that shows you how many days until you're out of business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my God! So it's literally like the yeah, countdown. yeah. Wow. And I have so that, that crystallizes the attention. It, 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 it prioritizes very quickly. Oh my God! No one, no board chair needs to prioritize for you. Just hand the depletion model, and you got it. Um, I know at Deutsche Bank. So I made sure that seventy percent of my time was focused on the bottom line, and then the rest of my time is really focused on figuring out what the community needs and where we can be most effective. And this was before the marriage of. Quality, um, passed in America, and so it was really about um, getting uh, changing hearts and minds and making sure or helping to uh, helping people understand who we are um, and taking the fear away from it. Because I knew if I knew the Supreme Court would go the way of culture, right? You can't influence the Supreme Court, but you can influence them through what the people want. Um, and so that's where we, that's where we did our work was like getting everyday people 
members of the bar who, are, who, who wanted to marry to tell their stories. And then we worked very closely with Hollywood. So we got a lot of people to speak up and speak out and support. Yeah, um, which is amazing. And you said earlier you talked to, you know, obviously brought corporates on board. Which corporates kind of were open and came on board, you know, in, in those early years? Well, we had quite a few already on board. So it's like um, I had a conversation with those second people. Um, and we have Coca-Cola, Wells Fargo, all the biggies, you know. Delta has been a big supporter of ours. Yeah. Kettle One, Vodka, Bud Light. Um, so they really all stepped up and stepped into supporting us in a very trying time. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, initially, like, brands were quite nervous about getting involved in, in, you know, in this whole area. They were, like, tiptoeing around the edge. So it's just wonderful to see them all kind of, like, plunging in. My background is Unilever. So, you know, it's brilliant to see kind of Unilever really embrace this and, 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 and become very active in this, in, in, in this area. Yes. And it's so important. To, I'll tell you the secret why it's happening. The reason it's happening, there are many factors. I think one of the biggest drivers is that if you look at 18 to 34 year olds who are your next workforce and your next consumer, they more and more are identifying as LGBT. They will not work for a company or buy products or services for a company that they don't feel is lined with their values. Um, and so companies are reacting and responding to that as they need to because if they're not evolving, they're going to die um, and become dinosaurs. And so I think that, um, you know, I just came off of a panel with uh, Procter and Gamble. And, uh, and, and Mark Pritchard, who is the chief brand officer there, was showing commercials of Gillette and showing a, a young trans man doing his first shave wow. with a Gillette product. You know, or Pantene was showing trans women and how important hair is to them. One of the statistics he gave was that 60% of the LGBT community, when they come out, they change their hairstyle. Of course. Yes, of course. And that's, that's it, the instant kind of like way that you can identify Right. And so they were like, we need to get in. We need to talk to these people. Um, we need to show them that we're here for them. And so they did the Pantene app. Spectacular. Yeah. I mean, really spectacular. And I really applaud them for, for doing that. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it, it's so true. I mean, you know, uh, you know a friend of mine, her, her um, daughter transitioned. And it's really, really interesting to, you know, dare to have kind of watch that yeah. and, and yeah. really get that kind of information and it's, it's such a brave thing to do so, I mean, so and, 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 and you know to come out and 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 and, and, and did you, did you, I mean did you have issues coming out to your parents and to your um, you know I was fortunate I was very fortunate my mother was a little upset when I first came out um, and, but it was it was nominal um, they at the end of the day they said we really love you this is a big change for us, my parents, um, and we'll get used to it. And they have, and I, it doesn't even resonate for us any longer. Um, but I've been around enough, and in America, we know that 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ. Wow, that is a shocking statistic. Yeah, I'd love to find out what that stat actually is in other countries. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm sure it's as high, if not higher. Um, especially when you go globally. I mean, I bet the East, you know, it depends on. Obviously, where you are, but in countries where it's cr 
criminalized or where it's, you know, it's still criminal in 17 countries. I, 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 you, I mean, you're right. And I, I remember at the homeless shelter that I worked with, and we had this, this lovely guy from Uganda who had fled, you know, who, who had yeah. homeless in, 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 in London. He was a fashion designer. And, and just absolutely delightful, gorgeous man. And he was gay. And, and he would have been killed in his country for, for, for being gay. And, and it, I mean, I find it utterly shocking that in this day and age that we still have it. But then I guess, you know, Australia only just had the had 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 had, had the vote. And even in America, I find some of the issues that still exist around like adoption and as, as, as you know, gay women or, or men, how you can actually like be you know, parents to your surrogate children and and and, and all. I mean, but it, 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 it's a mindful which I, yes. I, I don't fully understand. I have to admit, but you know, just you know, I I, I have a friend who who you know split up from her from her, her, her wife, and you know the whole thing about you know the child. Yeah. <laughs> who, who was just yeah. Wrong. Yeah. So in America, you could still be fired in half the states for being LGBTQ. Wow. Yeah. Did you, can you just repeat that? Yes. I, I, I think we just need to. Yeah, so in America, you can still be fired in half the states, over half the states, for being LGBTQ. Simply for being. Now, you can still be denied hotel, I mean hotel, um, housing. You can be denied renting in a lot of states, too. You can be denied adoption. So I think that marriage equality was a massive milestone, built a tremendous amount of awareness. It was not the finish line though. We're still not federally protected. Um, and so it, it, it is still a struggle for us in the United States. In rural America, you get into like Los Angeles, New York, those, those bubbles. Even in those bubbles though, you go to Staten Island in New York City, it's not great for Staten Islanders. The Staten Island um, uh, community center is still not allowed. The Irish group, the LGBTQ group is still not allowed. To, to march in the Staten Island St. Patrick's Day Parade. So even in what you think are these enclaves of acceptance and equality, it's still very much not all the way there. Over the generations, these next generations, it's going to shift dramatically because these kids are so different. Um, and they grew up differently than we did, right? With more option and more conviction. And so I think things are going to change, but we still have to work out. And we learned firsthand in America that these wins are precious and they're fragile. And they seem like, oh, well, now you have it. You can never lose it. That is a big mistake to make. And it's tiring. Trust me, I don't want to fight every day for acceptance and equality. But we have to as a, as a community. And I think to get to your point about, like, what can people do? How can people participate? So, this is shocking. What's, yeah. what's, what's happening? And, and, and we're also talking, you know, developed countries. I mean, let yeah, alone like the rest of the rest of the world. But, exactly. But you know, what can, what can we do to kind of erase this judgment? I, I don't even know. To, you know, to, 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 to kind of really clear the way for this next generation. You know, and and and, and you know, right now we need to, we need to change. This. So um, there are a number of ways, but I'll, I'll give you just two. One is find out what you're interested in. If you're an ally, if you're a member of the LGBTQ community, find an organization.
organization that you it could be local it could be national it could be global that you're interested and donate to them that's an easy way for you to be contributing find out if they have volunteering you go on their website you can always come to us at glad.org which is g-l-a-a-d.org um, but and, and we have other organizations if you want to be in a, in a local community center or start one whatever it can be small or large the other thing is is speak up it's very simple if someone says something that isn't um, that that is uncomfortable that is that is nasty and discriminatory say something um, and, and, and and I ask allies to do that we're always speaking up for ourselves it's great when an ally says you know what I'm not comfortable with you saying that or I actually don't think that's funny um, making fun of a marginalized community that's not humor to me um, and I think you can do it in a nice way and not a you know a confrontational way yeah and just say you know I, I know people who are gay and they're really important to me and I couldn't imagine if they were standing here what they would feel like, like there are many approaches to it um, but speaking up is half the battle and educate people if you educate look we know if people know someone who's LGBTQ they are off the charts more accepting of them and more for equal rights for them so um, I advise those who who can and are safe to come out and, and speak your, and live your truth yeah what a great call to action Sarah Kate Edison I'm glad thank you so much for joining thank you us for it's been me. so inspiring take care and have a brilliant rest of Davos you too